0: to the Talking Minds podcast.
1: Come join us as we chat about a whole host of mindset related issues, giving you both the male and female perspective. Don't miss out on the exciting interviews we'll be conducted with some truly inspirational guests. My name is Marcus Matthews and I'm a Rapid Transformational Therapist whose quest is to transform people's minds to reach their own personal greatness.
0: My name is Tracy Carroll. I'm a Rapid Transformational Therapy practitioner my mission is to end the stigma surrounding mental health issues and show people they no longer need to suffer in silence.
1: begin welcome everybody to the talking mind podcast um there is no tracy with us today um she's got some personal stuff that's going on and i want to send her big loves um she'll know what what it's about so um but she would have loved to have been on this today because i've got with me lucy patel who is a registered nutritionist and health coach and thank god i got that out without spitting my teeth out um because I think it's really important, we talked about this just before the podcast, didn't we, about making sure that people know that you are qualified, in quotes, to talk about what we're (laughs) gonna talk about. So um, I connected with Lucy through um, a a group that we're both in called Cheshire Socialites. And I am on my own kind of nutrition and health journey. Um, I guess, as I say it, the inside of the shop is gleaming with gold, the outside is looking a little bit knackered and uh, fappy. So I've started this journey because I know that our gut is our second brain. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really, really happy that you're here today. And we can have a, you know, a chat and inform people, educate people on the benefits of good nutrition. So welcome. And thank you very much. The floor is yours. Please tell, (laughs) please tell everybody a little bit about who Lucy Patel is how you became a nutritionist, kind of a little bit about your journey and um, what it is that you do.
0: Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for having me on the podcast, Marcus. Really appreciate it. Um, so my, my journey into nutrition probably started when I was about 25. Um, when I looked into doing a nutrition course, I was obviously relatively fresh out of uni, had lots of debts, et cetera. And all the courses were sort of like full time going back to school. And I basically couldn't afford it. And I parked it indefinitely at the time. I thought that would have been nice. But hey, there we go. Um, Fast forward eight years. um, I became a qualified project manager, worked in financial services. And it was actually my husband going self-employed that really gave me the kick to go, look, if I don't do this now, I am never going to do it. Um, I thought, if you're doing it, then why not give it a go? So um, I then enrolled with the Institute for Optimum Nutrition, which is the uh, leading nutrition school in Europe um, and did a three year uh, degree with them, uh, qualifying in August this year. And I've now launched my business. Um, so it's been a very busy year. I was also on maternity leave for my final year. So I was juggling a baby and also doing my final year exams. So it's been a pretty hectic year with with COVID as well. So lockdown baby. Um. So I mean, I've launched my business, and my real focus is kind of helping busy mums. You know, in their kind of thirties and forties, they've had their children, and I'm finding that there is such a lack of support out there. You know, we get supported when we're pregnant. And we get supported through those sort of early, early weeks and months. And then it's almost like you just left to it. And obviously with all the stresses and strains that come with raising a family, there's also pressures to lose lose weight and go back to your job, be very successful at your job, raise wonderful children who have perfectly behaved and cook amazing food for everyone three times a day. It's just this list of stuff and, all I'm hearing, so I've got a lot of friends who are in a similar position. Um, and all the like the the words and the the kind of fears that I'm seeing is just this sense of overwhelm, just constant overwhelm with everything that a mum in this day and age has to contend with. Social media obviously plays into that. I mean, that might be a, a slightly separate topic, but there's so much compassion. We're in, a, we're in an era now where we're able to compare ourselves to everybody 24 hours a day you know 30 years ago you didn't have a scooby-doo what any other mum was doing you were in blissful ignorance that whatever you were doing was probably fine now you see what everyone is doing and you see this sheen of oh well they're all feeding their kids better food or they're doing more activities with their children or whatever it might be So I think mums in this generation are in a very, very challenging position um, and having to deal with a lot. And they are the people I want to help now. Yeah, you know what?
1: I think think generally, I think you're right. And I think for me as a man looking in on this, um, I think a lot of our roles, men and women, and anybody who's outside of that catchment area, seems to be now tribes that are building so if you're a if you're a mum or you're a woman this is how you need to show up you you need Mm. this mantra that you need to Mm. look amazing you need to have this you need to have that and then over here as a man that traditional hunter gatherer feeder protector role has now gone and all of that stuff you know does affect people's Bodies and their minds, but I just want to take you back a little bit because one of the things that I'm really interested in, because you said about your degree was a lot more corporate, I guess. So what's what was the mindset change in you that went? Actually, that's not where my passion is, and actually, I want to do this. Where because they, I'm taking your degree is different to what you're kind of doing now, which is the same with a lot of people. But I'm really interested in you and and what that journey was like and why you felt that this was what you needed to do
0: yeah i mean my original degree was in psychology but the the one i did when i was 18 um and then obviously fast forward to the age of my old age of 32 was when i started studying nutrition um i mean in terms of there's there's levels of job satisfaction i guess i mean i really enjoyed my time as a project manager i met some wonderful people i worked for a great company but i wasn't helping people there's no way I wasn't helping people in the way that I wanted. And now doing, you know, being a nutritionist and a health coach, I mean, I'm a few weeks in and already I'm seeing just such the, the job satisfaction is incredible. Once you help people tap into and help educate people on what they what they need to do and going back to the health coaching role. A huge part of this, which is something I think we talk, talked about when we first spoke is which I think is where the diet industry falls down, is leaving people in a position that they can continue being healthy after they've, stopped, after they've stopped working with me. You know, I've not done my job. If someone follows a plan and eats all the right food while on a program, and then at the end, they're like, I don't know how to carry this on. I don't know how to take this into the real world and turn it into a lifestyle change. So the health coaching is absolutely a core part of that whole process. Helping people feel empowered to go. I know what I'm doing now. I know, you know what, what to do, it, and I can
1: so, carry on. It's so true, and I think that that's one of the things that I think if anybody's listening to this podcast, um, whether you know you're looking at nutrition, whether you're looking at counselling, whether, whether you're looking at therapy, whether you're looking at coaching, doesn't matter what it is, is that really my passion is b- very similar, and that's why we connected, wasn't it? Is that yeah. there are so many people out there, whether it be um, companies well for example I don't want to give them a shout out Noom you know touted as this this thing and I, because obviously I've got that kind of therapy background you know said, the psychology the mindset I get what they're doing as a product but actually it's very easy to be paying a subscription for that and it just rolling on and you don't get anything I think that when you work with somebody that accountability is so important that you've got somebody that is there that's going to keep you accountable but also is going to make you feel empowered that you're not going to a nutrition session yeah. having those conversations and then you've got nothing tangible to take away because then you're not owning it are you um, exactly. I, i've got a question i want to ask at the moment what would you say besides those things that you've already kind of highlighted in regards to being busy parents or especially mums are there any, what are the biggest challenges you're finding in regards to the nutrition and health side of it, you know, what are those excuses that people are coming up, up with that you have to overcome?
0: Um, I think there's there's two that I think are coming up more often, more, like most, uh, I think one of them is time, one of them is just not having the time to be able to plan ahead buy cook plan meals you know every single day you know getting all your you know fruit and veg in five portions a day etc which I think is a very valid it's a very valid struggle for a busy mum with a job and you know multiple children with pickups and all the rest of it the other one is I'm finding that it's quite I say it's upsetting, but a lot of a lot of clients they know they they know what healthy looks like. They know what it is they need to be doing, but there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of clients who come and say, "I've been eating XYZ product. It says it's low fat, or it said it's low calorie." But I don't know. They might have been struggling with their weight, for example, and they just don't understand what's going on. They don't, they're like, "I'm eating like low, low calorie everything, and yet I'm really struggling to maintain my weight." And it's creeping up, and there's this sort of like edge of despair, really. That like they're, they're trying, they they feel like they're doing the right things in terms of, well, what me, you know, diet industry might say is the right thing to do in terms of you know, a cereal bar that's eighty five calories or whatever it might be. But there's there's so much
1: eighty five calories it, of crap. There's
0: a lot of will there. There's a lot of <laughs> desire to eat well, and there's just a lot of confusion around what they should be eating, how much they should be eating, when they should be eating, and then all the behavioral side that plays into that. So, you know, the sort of all the intuitive and mindful eating side is so, so prevalent in terms of people just, you know, misunderstanding hunger cues and, you know, boredom eating, stressed eating. And we've all been there, right? <laughs> no one has come into that um but for some people it is a problem and it's it's quite a hard cycle to break so part of you know a lot of the strategies that we will develop is starting to help people to just really start to just listen and just tap in a little bit more to their own hunger signals and trusting what their body's telling them if you're hungry and you assess that that is physical hunger you need to eat right (laughs) um but You know, energy and blood sugar balance is a huge one. You know, people are very carb heavy, especially with snacks and things. It's very easy to reach for, you know, again, healthy cereal bars. But when you actually look at what's in them, it's kind of, you know, carbs. Yeah. Can I ask you a question?
1: I'm really interested in this. So many years ago, I was on a cruise and there was a guy in like the sparring bit. And he he worked for the Reebok Sports Institute. And he was really funny. He was about five foot four, but like had like the perfect, like V shaped body. I think he was a swimmer, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And he introduced himself and he said, Hi, my name's whatever. And I am clinically obese. Um, and everybody's like, What? You're clinically obese? And he talked a lot about um, BMI. And my understanding with BMI and all that sort of stuff is that it was actually invented by the military to assess how much basic training people needed to go through in World War II Um, and I just wonder a lot of these myths around you know what we should eat what we shouldn't eat um, you know things like margarines we know it's like one chromosome off plastic so how does tradition um, play a part in that because the way in which families used to be in maybe the 70s and 80s you know mums might have jobs but they were they were at home we said this before you know the man was there with his spear going out hunting and was providing and protecting <laughs> and that whole balance has shifted certainly over the last 20 years so I wonder whether that feeds into a lot of the confusion about what can I eat what shouldn't I eat and it's product 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 mm-hmm. so you know how do you get around that and calm people down to okay it's okay and educate them around that fear aspect of what should I be doing because yeah says that and somebody says the
0: other it's interesting, if we just jump back to the BMI point now, I'll need to maybe just check this after. Now, the, the BMI sort of calculation was developed, it wasn't by anyone, in, it wasn't like a medical professional. I think it was like um, an astronomer or some some something that's nothing to do with the human body, basically. And it was based purely on white males. So inherently we see a problem with BMI that it's completely yeah. not even you know, that you can't then extrapolate that into the whole population. Now it's a guide at best, but it literally, it doesn't take into account your muscle mass, which is probably what this guy was talking about. He was probably ripped, had lots of muscle. So he was heavy because muscle is denser than fat. So if you're very muscly, um, and short, you're it, you could come out clinically obese and therein lies the problem that people get, okay, told so I'm out, ripped get heavy,
1: and that so that's why i'm so heavy then it's actually because i'm ripped okay yeah. i'm gonna take that
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that yes yeah, so a bmi isn't isn't really something that i prescribe prescribed to myself but um you know the nhs use it so there we go um and then your point around in terms of well, the confusion on what people should be eating. I mean, if we think back over the last, I don't know, 40 years, we've gone through. I mean, I think there was a smokers diet back in the 40s or 50s or something. And um, there's been cabbage soup diets, there was the Rosemary Connolly fat-free phase, there was the Atkins phase, in which was around when I was a teenager. And some of my friends tried that actually. they, they were doing the Atkins diet, which is the zero carbs. So they were literally just eating like, but then they end up eating like processed meat and processed cheese. It's like, that's not healthy. Um, Carbs are continually demonized. The, The narrative is now shifting very much away from fat making you fat. And that it's actually having too much refined carbohydrate, which when it's not used is turned into fat. And we've obviously got an obesity epidemic that is, just especially in the western you know in us uk are i think one in five or four adults is obese i mean it's it's a problem it's a it's a genuine problem um but in terms of keeping up you're right i mean you look at if i look at inst- my instagram feed now there will be mention of there'll be keto paleo vegan vegan which is a mixture of vegan and paleo although i'm not entirely sure how you do a vegan diet. Um, Obviously vegetarian, there's there's all sorts of ways to eat. And the the issue for me is that people, it's almost like if people don't feel they can subscribe to this labeled way of eating, that there's no point even doing a few small things that could shift in that direction. So take going veggie, for example, it's almost like you're either a vegetarian or you're not a vegetarian. But what if you were a meat eater that started to go, I'm going to have one meat free day a week and then I'm going to have two meat free days a week. That's great. That's a really good shift. If you're not eating enough veg, that's a really good place to start. You're not a vegetarian, but you're making changes that are moving you in a really positive direction. So we seem to be labeling different ways of eating. And there seems to be this sort of underlying competition around you know yeah and i think the (laughs) The other thing with that and the veggie camp and the keto camp and it's almost like everyone else's diet is rubbish because it's not our diet and they're selling a lot of these companies are selling stuff they're selling and and i was going to say it's marketing because (laughs) everything's
1: vegan everything's vegan now you know i buy a laptop (laughs) in curries it's a vegan laptop and and the problem is is that that it, it diminishes you know, I'm, I'm not vegan, but we all know a plant-based diet is a good diet. But Absolutely. the problem is a lot of these products that are being sold are overly processed. They mm. are using, you know, palm oils. They are using, they're being <laughs> produced with stuff that maybe is um, being produced in areas where maybe rainforest is being deforested. So all these people are on the high horse going, I'm vegan now, but actually they they don't know the source of where that product mm. has come from. Um, yeah. And one of the things from a psychology point of view that I think is, is really important. And I talk a lot about this is that our mind is there to keep us alive. That's its only job. And Mm -hmm. it does that by connecting to things that are familiar because it doesn't like the unfamiliar. So when you've got this marketing and you've got all this social media and you've got the person next door saying this, and everybody's living a little bit of a fake life, Mm. we're all so confused. And you know we start to see guilt and shame and then so we might be going oh yeah i'm, I'm on my nutrition and then going over and having the kit kat so yeah. how much of that exactly. do we find because 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 guilt and shame is is a big part isn't it of of that of that really process and really i just you. wondered if you could talk about that a little bit about the guilt and shame that people may so consider.
0: i mean what you said is right i mean anything you see on instagram is probably five percent of what's actually going on with that personal thing you know any diet that's reporting amazing results will have just as many people who have not complied they went, they you know didn't enjoy it they wasn't successful etc and if you look at um if you look at long-term success on kind of very restrictive diets and if you look at you know like slimming world and all that kind of stuff you know long-term success is very very poor you know there's there's quick results in the, in the beginning and then that's what gets reported and go look so and so lost all his weight and then you know and like you said people say oh my next door neighbor did this and y- you have no idea what's really going on with them so I think people it's just goes that it's just going back to comparison people just compare and you automatically compare to the negative you never look at someone else and go I've got something that they haven't that makes me know I'm grateful for something that I have that they don't you always look at someone and go they've got something that I haven't so there is always that sort of underlying comparison and why didn't it work for them if it didn't work for me and but you don't know what's been going on with this so someone who successfully lost weight for example they might have absolutely hated it you know you don't know where they're you know the kind of sacrifices they made to get there Um, but they'll tell you that, oh look, I lost a stone in a month or whatever, and you know, yay me Um so I mean, in terms of in terms of shame, I mean a lot of the messaging out there, and it's something that um again, I think we talked about a little bit last time, is the whole we were approaching Christmas in January when all the messaging is about, you know, you've had a good time at Christmas now, you need to lose that Christmas weight and reset and reinvent yourself for the new year and it's like why should we feel the pressure to change who we are just because it's january
1: okay.
0: it's insane if, if january didn't fall it wasn't the first month of a, of a new year there would not be that pressure so my focus in terms of how i want to help support people through january is very much around going the complete opposite direction it's like give yourself a break January is a rubbish month as it is. I think it's, you know, I think Blue Monday is in January, which is the, you know, there's a lot of kind of mental health, um, increase in mental health issues in January because obviously, you know, we've had the festive season, which is all wonderful. And then people go into January and suddenly feel under pressure to completely, you know, turn their lives upside down and turn into a new person and lose weight and go to the gym five times a week. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, So... I think a lot of, a lot of what I, I mean, you know, with my clients is just showing compassion. It's just showing that any, any change, however small, if you implement one small thing, but do it successfully, that is way more powerful than going all gung ho with some crazy, new lifestyle and diet for a month and then after a few weeks you're like I've absolutely had enough this is not enjoyable this is not sustainable this is not something that I can carry on for another month let alone a year or five years the whole point of what I do is to move people into a routine that they can literally carry on indefinitely.
1: Yeah I think one of the things that I when I kind of started on the this kind of path my own journey um and because obviously I work with the mind so that's where I started um because every habit is driven by a thought and one of the things I talk a lot about to my clients and this came from my choice is the word choice Mm. and I will go to the cupboard and I have my 85% dark chocolate if I want to if I want a snack. Very nice. Green <laughs> and black. If you're if, if you're out there, I'm happy for free advertising. <laughs> um, but what I was gonna say is, is that the kit cat's there, the crisps are there, the whatever's there. And what I found was really empowering was not to deny myself that, but to say, oh, wait a minute, I absolutely can have that because I'm an adult, and nobody is telling me that I can't have that kit cat. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a choice. Do I wanna? stay where I am or do I want to shift mm. do I want to have that but have it without any guilt or shame and, and go no I'm an adult I can have that and I'm taking the responsibility for putting that sugar for putting mm. that stuff in my body um you know when I do that now it I'll be honest if I have anything that's too much sugary because I've done a lot of detoxing I've feel poisoned myself but I still do it and I and I don't do it with guilt or shame and I think mm-hmm. that's really important and to have that choice um, I work a lot with smokers, and one of the things that I say to is, when you want a cigarette, have a glass of water. Go. I can have a cigarette, mm. absolutely, and it's my choice. And I, I always say to my clients, I'm not your mom or dad, I'm not your teacher,
0: mm. I'm just here to help you, and I'm giving yeah. you the choices exactly. and the
1: options. Exactly. Um, and so, so what what I say is, have a glass of water. And I want you to remember while you're having that glass of water or take a deep breath in that as you take that breath in, as you have that glass of water, be really proud that you made that choice. Mm. Because what happens is that same kick of serotonin and oxytocin in your body that you're getting from taking that sugary food stuff in still happens. Mm. And the more you create that, just that simple habit of going, okay, I know at 10 o'clock I go and have that Mars bar. I'm going to have a glass of water i'm going to i'm mm-hmm. going to choose healthy but i'm not going to do it and deny myself the other thing if i want it but i'm making a choice and i think that's quite empowering to give people that option to go if you want the cake have the cake but be happy having the cake yeah. and be responsible happy. for making that choice and I then what it, your thoughts then are then on that on,
0: you know enjoy it and move on and don't think another second about it <laughs> you know about yeah. this whole and i think saying on the kind of topic of, of shame a lot of the kind of really subtle terminology and words that you see being used out there so you'll hear people talk about cheat days and um making up for something or another and it's this whole kind of idea that if we have something that's not deemed healthy that we have to in some way pay it back or use the word cheat or you know this all this negative language about it which is just then going to associate fear with whatever it is like you said you know we choose we can't we have the choice we could choose to have the cake but if you're going to you know there's all these then emotions that come with that that's not good then that's you know it's completely it's just completely unfair um and You know, you ever hear a lot of people talk about, you know, if they have a bad day and then they're going to write off the rest of the week because, you know, they've had like a little slip up and, you know, I have a few clients that say this. I'm like, look, one day out of a program of 96 days, that's what you're talking about. One day is not going to make any difference. You have one day where, you know, everything just seems to be going against you and you've eaten rubbish. It happens, Right. Especially when you're a busy mum, it happens a lot. Move on from it. Learn from it. Learn what, what triggers, you know, what were the triggers that really drove that. And then that is what we would then work on. Say, right, what were the certain situations that made you go, oh my God, I just need X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and then it builds. And then over time, the habits just get better and better, having a, you know, having something else there to grab rather than a chocolate bar, for example. But it's just like I said, it's those small, but powerful habits and just really really kind of ingraining those into you know the routine and that sort of it's sort of like making it's just changing like you said it's changing that behavior it's changing that behavioral reaction to a situation to go I'm not going to reach for a handful of Maltesers or whatever I'm going to just like you said stop take a breath observe the situation and then proceed just giving yourself that five seconds to just go right do I really want that or am I just going to immediately regret it (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think you you use the word fear. And and I think, I mean, we spoke about this. And as you know, my big topic at the moment is kind of vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. I think that when you sit in that fear and when you sit in that that space where you're going, I'm not good enough, I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't do this, I'm different, it's not available to me, all of that kind of self-talk, when you can just sit in that fear and be vulnerable enough to go, do you know what, I'm just having a bad day. It's fine. I'm having a bad day and recognize it, honor it, honor that feeling, Mm -hmm. and then be courageous enough to just say, I'm having a bad day. And this doesn't define who I am. Anybody's opinion on this really doesn't matter. You know, it's my opinion of myself. And I want to just, I want to tap into this because one of the things that I've discovered, and we talked about this, um, prior to the podcast, um, it's about that fear and the the way in which the mind and body produces kind of the chemicals like our cortisol you know I mentioned before about serotonin and oxytocin mm-hmm. those happy chemicals that when we do eat bad food which are triggered I think Pringles is the great one isn't it you know you, once you stop you, <laughs> well, you probably can't stop yeah that's because it's got a chemical in there that triggers part of your brain that goes whoa <laughs> this is great um uh, So I want to talk a little bit about that because on my own journey, one of the things that I do know is that that fear and that cortisol takes us into survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, the body will react in one or two ways. Um, And it's interesting that I can't remember, I was listening to who was talking about this. They said when an antelope is being chased by a lion, so the food source is being chased by Mm -hmm. a lion, it's interesting that when you watch them once they've had the chase and they haven't been killed, um, the, the, the antelope will often shake and then it will defecate. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that is, is that mind-gut connection mm-hmm. that it's, and it shakes it and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously we're not going to do that ourselves, but when we go through fear, when we go through all of these thoughts of I'm not good enough, I can't do this, and we're storing all that cortisol, you know, I know there is scientific evidence now that cortisol and that survival hormone does play a massive part about, you know, putting on weight. And I just wonder, especially with mums, you know, you've, you've maybe especially if it's your first child, you've, you know, you want to be the best mom and you want to do this and you want to protect. And naturally, you will go into survival mode, not just for yourself but for your child because you want mm. to be the best for them and we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents. And I think we find often dads and mums as we become parents and we're busy and we're looking after them, we neglect ourselves. We neglect our bodies and it's like a drip mm-hmm. feed. And, yeah. and the next minute we're kind of stood there going, where did that come from? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just want to talk a little bit about that, especially with your, you know, your clients being those type of people. And around those conversations about you've got yeah. to fill up your own cup you mm. know they say on a yeah. airplane don't they you've got to put your yeah, oxygen mask exactly. on before the child so exactly. I'd be interested to hear about that
0: yeah I mean just quickly jumping back to stress because obviously stress carries all sorts of kind of negative connotations these days that you know the stress response is an absolutely mandatory evolutionary process Um, harking back to the example that we always were taught was You know, caveman being chased by lion, that's the survival technique, it's fight or flight. You either stay and fight or you run. Now, either way, all of your, um, basically all of your blood and energy starts to get pumped towards your arms and legs. So you can run away or fight, you know, depending on which response. Now, the problem with where we are today is that we obviously don't have many physical threats of that nature, hopefully. But we are, we're almost always operating at this sort of low grade chronic stress. You know, there's so many things that are stressing everyone out on a day to day basis, you know, whether it's social media or work or children or, you know, just the pace of life now is just insane. So that stress response has become a bit maladaptive because it's not really serving us anymore because people are, you know, the cortisol is pumping through because it's perceiving threats But the threat it's perceiving is, you know, an angry email or someone not liking their social media or whatever it is that you might want to, you know, translate that to. So, and and interestingly, what you said, you know, after that stress response then dies down um, because, you know, digestion, you don't need to digest food when you're stressed. So that's why you can then end up with all sorts of digestive complaints when you're chronically stressed because your blood is constantly being deviated to what your body thinks is going to help you in that situation. So muscles, arms, legs, brain, people's dilate, blood vessels dilate, but you, your gut isn't needed. You don't need to digest food while you're running away. So that's why it can lead to all sorts of, it can manifest all sorts of issues when someone is constantly on that sort of level, you know, constantly stressed. Um, I mean, what you said about obviously when, you know, we then have children, and then there's a whole new realm of anxiety thrown into the mix. Then about like the safety of your child, and you know, are they sleeping? Are they feeding? And all the rest of it. And and you're right. The parents take a massive backseat, particularly the mums. And then you're right. The dads absolutely do play a role. But from a, you know that first year is very much, I'd say, well, my experience at least, you know, the mum is the very much the central role. And then that starts to balance out as the children get older, um, and that is ultimately why women, you know, years after they've had children, and like you said, they almost, you know, look at a photo from a few years and go, "Go, oh my god, who, who is that? <laughs> That's not me." You know, there's just that you lose. I think you lose a connection to the pre-baby you. You know, the you that was just very self I say selfish but I don't actually mean that in a negative way I mean that you only really have to worry about yourself and all the things that you valued and all the things that you did to sort of look after yourself and you know all the things that made you happy and you realize that they just they do they take a back seat and it can be quite hard to then reincorporate those back into your life and you realize it's been five years and you're like you almost don't recognize yourself anymore And I can definitely associate with that. And that's something that I'm like now actively trying to really carve out time for the things that I enjoy. And for me, it's literally something as as simple as reading, reading a book, just sitting down on my own, reading a book. I get such immense joy from, and it's something that I didn't, I just wasn't doing it because I was just too exhausted or just didn't have any time. Um, So I think a lot of, I think the message that I'm really trying to get through is that I honestly firmly believe that mums can be as healthy, if not more healthy, after they've had children than they were before. I think it's completely possible, but it takes, you know, it takes commitment. It's obviously a little bit harder to reach health goal, you know, when you're kind of in your thirties and forties, I don't know about you, but when you're in your twenties, you got away with all sorts, your diet was rubbish and didn't really seem to have any impact. Thirties, definitely notice a difference. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but I think think also, I think we need to flip this because again, I go back to tradition. I think traditionally, because of those traditional roles, there was an expectation with women. And I think this goes back to, um, I don't know if you know Deb Borsai, she's part of, uh, she's the menopause consultant and she talks a lot about traditionally you know pre after menopause women died okay so th- for for millions of years actually once a woman had had babies and and you know that 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 thing traditionally they'd like go downhill die and move mm-hmm. on you know that sounds gross but that's that's <laughs> how it was but that's not how life is nowadays and i think we owe it to our children to show self-love and to show self-care and, and to, and to show them because Mm -hmm. actually as a parent, we're responsible for making sure the next generations are stronger and healthier, both in their bodies and their minds. So if you think it's selfish that you've got, well, I've got to do this. I've got to look after the baby. I've got to do this. I've got to Mm -hmm. take them to school. I've got, yeah, there is all of that, that stuff, but there's 24 hours in a day. And if you can't take 30 minutes out and I say this to my clients all the time, we, we we schedule in stuff mm. to do, but we don't yeah. schedule in things to not do.
0: Exactly. And actually
1: not doing is doing because your yeah. body needs that time. Being. Just being and, 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 and,
0: and not and yeah, doing something.
1: Yeah, and just share, if you want to use your technology, put, there's loads of stuff on your smartphones now, but put an alarm on. To go, yeah. oh, yeah, time out and put people on notice mm. and go, actually, these are the rules. And maybe have some rules within your house that says, you know, on a Friday, we're going to have whatever we want to have to eat. Yeah. But these are the things and, and have a charter as a family, especially for mm. older kids. Yeah. Get your kids involved because they are educated now at school, aren't they? Nutrition's yeah. a big thing. Image is a big mm. thing. My own son, he's presently um, up at Catrick training um, in, with the Paris. And he went yeah. through what we call his chubby years. Um, and he made it, I'm so proud of him because he made this decision and just went, do you know what? I don't want to feel and look like this anymore. So he started mm-hmm. training. And it's funny because he tells me off now because I'll have that extra, I'll have the extra Yorkshire pudding on Sunday. And if he's home, he'll go, dad, you're not supposed to have that. I'm choosing to have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my point is, is that, you know if we if we want to have a healthier a healthier kids we want to we, we've got to start supporting them but we we've got to do that ourselves and I think if you get everybody
0: involved mm. you know and, and it, we have to role model we have to role model yeah. they and especially now my eldest is three and she is just picking up everything she's picking up words behaviors and you're right you have to be quite conscious of what sort of behavior that you're modeling back on them and i you know i have days where i feel like they're driving me up the wall and just having 45 minutes away is absolutely transformational by the time i've come downstairs you know just having that time where you just need to just have a little breather and just go and do something else probably laundry to be honest but there we go um and you're right it's 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 absolutely critical that we you know practice what we preach and and model the behavior that we you know we we would never expect our children or want to see our children frazzled and stressed and running around with like millions of things to do we want them to be you know happy and rested and you know getting joy out of life and you're right we don't model that back on ourselves enough and
1: i think i think it's really important for people to understand that with your children between the age of 0 so when they're born up to 8 years old by that point by the time they get to around about eight they've already been programmed with with 80 percent of who they are going to become in the future
0: Mm -hmm. so it's
1: kind of from eight to about 18 is another 10 percent and then by the time you're 35 pretty much you've been programmed and that's what I deal with a lot with people and, and and a lot of it is to do with that inner child and those beliefs and those feelings so we need to be mindful that in those busiest of times because that is the busy period isn't it when we're looking after them once they get to secondary school it can be a little it can be a little bit easier they're a little bit freer but we need to be really conscious um that they're absorbing you know they dream don't they between the age of zero and eight they want to be anything and everything but they will model our behaviors and and that all happens subconsciously so Mm -hmm. it's really important that we don't stress ourselves out because I don't want to put another layer of anxiety onto people and go, now it's all <laughs> in your subconscious mind. That's what I work in. Um, one of the things I want to just tip on now, and, and this, we mentioned this before, but when you look at things like organic and when you look at this and the, this is the best thing to buy and all the rest of it, there's a lot of people out there who are preaching the way you should eat and what you should do. And then when you look at them, that they're like single they're rich and a lot of people are going to go to you know Asda, Sainsbury's Tesco's Aldi other stores are available and they're going to look at the produce that's there and it is a minefield because you don't know what that broccoli should have buy organic what's this what's that what's the other mm-hmm. what's your advice around that especially when people are on a budget and they haven't got the money because obviously to come and work with you or me it's private and There might be people listening to this and going, yeah, I'd love to go and see a nutritionist, but I don't have the money. Mm. Uh, Or I'd love to buy organic, but I don't have the money. I know what I would be saying around that because I've been through that process myself, but I'm just wondering what you say to those clients that kind of look at money as a blocker and what the cost
0: and the value is of that. So the thing with organic food is I mean, if you look at, I mean, always look at the difference, the price tags and yeah, unfortunately, organic food can often carry a significant increase in price. Now, the fact is, if food's been, food that has, food that is not organic is not poisonous. It's, it's been treated in some way, but in terms of the levels of chemicals that are actually in non-organic food, they are so far below any level that could be harmful. So I would not want anyone to worry that they couldn't afford to buy organic. So I just want to make that clear. Um, If you can buy, for me, what is even better on the purse strings is if you can actually buy local. So if you can get to, you know, if you're in somewhere that's got a local farmer's market or something in the area, because that's just going to be cheaper. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be organic without having a nice organic label on it and it would be cheaper so eating seasonally is something that i try and do as much as possible it's it's is, it is hard because everything is available all the time but good rule of thumb is if something is out of season um, and you can see what's in season really easily by just having a quick google if it's out of season chances are traveled a long way it's probably been treated in some way to keep it fresh it's probably been picked when it's not actually been either underripe or overripe. um so bottom line don't worry if you can't buy organic because it's you know if you can easily afford it then yeah do it but for me i don't buy all organic i think another you know? thing
1: that i learned as well um, was when it comes to meats and things like that is a lot of people go you know you'll look at a piece of you know we've got a local butcher near us now who's been yeah. amazing um we didn't have anything here and joe is fantastic uh, and actually pound for pound is probably just as cheap. But one of the things that people need to be aware of you might see say say a joint of pork um that's however much and then you've got your kind of you taste the difference or your special mm. like your organic which is half the size and people mm. go oh well I've got to feed the family, therefore I'm going to go for the bigger one, the cheaper, bigger one, because that's not going to feed people.
0: Mm. But what they
1: don't know is that a lot of that is the same amount of meat, but it's been pumped with salt and water. Water. And actually when you buy less but better quality, you feel more sedated. So you feel full up and your body is absorbing that that nutritionally. I think that's important for people to be aware of, isn't it? That just Mm. because there's less of it, if you buy better your body will react to it better.
0: Yeah, because if you yeah, if you buy cheap, especially cheap chicken, and if you then cook it, you can literally see it shrink as it cooks. <laughs> you end up with this quite um, unimpressive <laughs> bit of chicken left in the pan. And um, I think with meat, um, buy if you can buy from a butcher, great. I, I don't buy meat from the supermarket anymore. Um, you will spend a bit more, but going back to the organic question, if you look at someone's full shopping list, you could easily probably make a couple of changes to that shopping list to make it no more expensive, which would enable them to buy the better quality meat. You know, take out a few of the bits and bobs that are being thrown in there. You know, everyone, you know, you walk around the supermarket and there's definitely ways to sort of shop smarter, I think. Um, but with meat, I think definitely try and get as high quality as possible and just eat it less frequently yeah
1: and i think the other thing is 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 get creative isn't it i mean i love a one pan wonder um but things like that you know slow cookers you know um, and if you buy decent meat but you can things like you know lentils and beans and things like that especially i know they're a pain if you have to soak them for 12 hours and all the rest of it but actually if if you look at flavor combinations you can buy Mm -hmm. relatively cheaply and then if you do use a slow cooker or you do something like that. you can go and pick the kids up put it in yeah uh, it just <laughs> it takes time it's kind of you yeah. just need to you just need to be mindful and prep and go right where is my time where am I spending my time and again it might be that you diary it out because it's just getting that change that new yeah. familiarity isn't it um <laughs> what I'd like to ask I mean I could talk about this forever <laughs> okay. um but if you're going to give somebody who's new to, you know, they want to change their diet, they want to change their life. They're not feeling particularly brilliant. You know, we're going through pretty stressful times at the moment we've got COVID and Mm. you know, we've got the vaccines and we've got all that sort of stuff out there, but we need the immune, our immune system needs to be supported, not just through drugs. You know, we need to be using (laughs) nutrition, you know, um, and and we already know that things like vitamin D, um, uh, will help the immune system. They stop flu, you know, and all that kind of thing. If you were going to give your top tips for starting on that journey, besides getting in contact with you, which is kind of a given, but what would you give, what would you have your top, say your top five tips on how somebody can just start those changes before they come and see see you? What what would you say are your top
0: five tips? Oh, top five. Okay, so the first two aren't actually around food. So first one, it sounds really simple, is making sure people are drinking enough water. You'll be amazed at how many people do not do that. Apple um, cider
1: vinegar in it as well. I found that a little spot of apple cider vinegar I don't okay. know if that works. but That works for
0: um, me. So in terms of water, obviously, things like decaffeinated drinks count towards water. If you're having tea and coffee. I think there's a bit of a myth that like coffee, like a cup of coffee, just doesn't count at all. It does because it's mostly water, but it is a diuretic, so it doesn't count as much. And um, aiming for two liters, evenly spaced throughout the day, um, is really important, and that can really help. Especially, it's what you mentioned before, actually, when you were talking about someone who wanted, you know, if wanted a cigarette, have some water. And I'm not saying for a minute people should just drink water to try and fill their stomachs. They don't feel hungry, but it's just understanding those cues. Like, are you actually thirsty? So it's always good, you know, and make sure you you are staying hydrated as well. The second tip is to make sure that your sleep routine is structured and consistent. And by that, I mean, going to bed at the same time, every single night, not just Monday to Friday you know people you know i remember in our 20s we go to bed at 10 the week and during the week and then at the weekend it'd be like one two o'clock or something stupid but a really consistent bedtime routine um, proper wind down no screens at least an hour before bed Um, make sure I've got you my blue
1: light glasses on i know you can't see I've the, got my blue, I'm actually wearing them actually
0: i've got my blue, blue light, light glasses, glasses on aware um and making sure that your sleep environment is you know genuinely kind of adapted to sleep you're not watching tv just before you you know go to bed um for me sleep is a hugely kind of overlooked aspect of people the whole managing your circadian rhythm managing your cortisol it's literally linked to everything so making sure that your sleep routine and you know you're giving yourself a good enough sleep window to try and get at least seven to nine hours Um number three would be to it would be to follow the um the eat well plate, which people may or may not have heard of. So the eat well plate is a bit of a guide as to how your kind of meals should be structured in terms of carbs, protein, and fat. Um so half of the plate should be think of your kind of over-the-ground vegetables. So anything that's great, you know, anything that you pick. So, you know, like your leafy greens and you know, carrots and all the rest of it, broccoli, cauliflower, anything like that. So half your plate should be those kind of kind of leafy, you know, leafy vegetables. You should then have maybe 20% um, as your kind of starchy. So think under the ground. So in terms of like potatoes, potatoes are a bit one of those like strange vegetables that aren't really classed as a vegetable because they're very starchy. Um, Whole grain rice, whole grain pasta. Another sort of 20% should be protein. So think meat, fish, beans, lentils, eggs. They're your main ones, tofu if you're vegan. And then there should be a little space for your healthy fats. Now, we talked about fat before being, obviously people think fat makes you fat. Um, Healthy fats are absolutely vital for, so all of your hormones, every single hormone starts out as cholesterol. So testosterone, estrogen, everything. It starts out as cholesterol. Uh, Cholesterol got demonized, you know, when people were told not to eat eggs or limit how many eggs you're having and all this rubbish. Um, So things like olive oil, um, nuts and seeds, avocados, um, oily fish um so following if you google eat well plate you'll get a diagram and it might be something that people might find helpful to just stick up in the kitchen so when they're having their meal they've got a little bit of a reference point as to so they're not having you know like half a plate of white rice and then you know a little bit of edge on the side um tip number four. Ooh, i think i've done a lot of um social media on this recently on snacking actually so um i think snacking is some is an area that a lot of people fall down on and that they end up reaching for very carb heavy you know a lot of these like dried fruit bars and things so it's making sure that from a snack perspective you're making sure that you have protein and fat with your snacks as well so it can be easy as having you know like hummus on toast with a bit of cucumber on it or something like that rather than just having toast and marmalade or um a naked bar which they're not the worst thing in the world but naked bars are very very high in sugar because they're like dried fruit that's pretty much what they're made of it's
1: the fructose isn't
0: it yeah um tip number five i think we need to go down the lifestyle route here it's getting outside everyone should be getting outside going for a walk i'm not talking about any sort of heavy exercise but getting outside every single day for at least half an hour get outside without your phone maybe listen to music maybe just go out and just have some peace and quiet alone with your thoughts you know I love this time of year especially when it's really cold and clear I absolutely love walking in this kind of weather I find it really lifts my mood especially people can sometimes get you know seasonal affective disorder around now it suddenly got very dark because the hours shifted so yeah getting time outside and just exposing yourself to sunlight it's just so important just especially with people working from home and it's really hard to consciously take those breaks. Um.
1: So, yeah, I think they're my top five. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to go through those again, just so so I've heard what you said, just so that everybody mm-hmm. else can hear it. Yeah. So plenty of water. I 100% would agree with that. Um, my little tip that I would give around the water thing is every time you go to the kitchen, have a glass of water, leave the glass on the side. Or if you want to get one of those big two litre things and make sure you finish that by the end of the day,
0: that's yeah. what I do.
1: And I think personally, what I
0: what I advocate with my clients is you can get now um, like seven hundred and fifty or nine hundred ml bottles, and sometimes they have little. Some of them actually have words on the side saying "You're doing great," and you can see it going down. Just yeah. make sure two of those every day. Two
1: of yeah, those so make it fun. That's I know it's only water, yeah. but make it fun. And then you said you know about good sleep. Now I am with you one hundred percent here. Um, from a from a subconscious point of view, when you are asleep, that your subconscious mind is still working. That's when you are filing the day away. That is when your body is repairing. So it's not sleep; isn't just sleep. Your body is still working, but it's 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 and like the stacking is, the shelves. It's, hard, it, you it's, it's filling said, the shelves. Thirty
0: percent of your brain is more active when you're asleep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that I would. It's not, a, it's not a waste
0: of time. It's not you know, unproductive time, like you say, absolutely mandatory. It's absolutely crucial. So doing
1: nothing is doing something. And then you've got that, the eat well plate, which is all about how you can balance those things out. Mm -hmm. So that's easily Google, Google Googleable. You can go and have a look on Google and get that. And we'll see if we can put a link into that in the show notes. Yeah. Snacking. um, Again, you were saying about really planning that. I'm a big fan. I'll tell you this. It's a funny story. I have like nuts as my little snacks. I don't really snack Mm -hmm. that much. But one of the things that I started to do is when I switched over from chocolates to um, the snacks is that I find nuts now taste like chocolate. I don't know if that's because I'm a hypnotherapist and I've just kind of psychologically brainwashed my palate to think yeah. that nuts are chocolate, but it works for me. So I'm just, I'm just saying that. And exercise, and I think we need to be aware that exercise isn't just, it isn't going to the gym. And I think there's lots of studies that actually say that going for a walk Burns more fat than actually going doing a massive cardio exercise, doesn't it? It's about
0: yeah. I mean, there's, com- there's there's quite complex things that play with exercise in terms of when you do it, if you do it on an empty stomach, and I mean, exercise is more stress. So you know, exercise is stress on the body. So people that are kind of really hammering the gym, you know, and not having rest days, it can actually be counterproductive. I and mean, yeah. that's a whole different area. But I think for me, it's movement. I like to use both movement rather than exercise. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, self-moving. Around the house, just all the things, and especially like I say, when you're a mom, you're constantly running around. <laughs> yeah, and get the kids involved,
1: and I think that's another thing, isn't it? You can make play into exercise and movement. So use use your kids to get involved with that. Get on, to, get on yeah, the floor with that them. That yeah. Movement. How can you blend that in? It's not about separating. It's how can I bring these into my that's routine? Amazing. Is what it is. Um, that's amazing. Now I've got one last question. We ask this to every single guest. Okay and this, everybody goes oh my god um, I don't know. so you, you thought the top tips were bad this is the last thing so we always ask people what is your I mean this doesn't have to be around nutrition what is your go-to phrase so what is that thing that you say that either motivates you or inspires you you know whether that be food related whether that be in your business um whatever it is what would you say what's your favorite go-to phrase and why
0: Oh, this is a tough one.
1: I know, it's always a toughie. That's why we do it. And that's why we do it at the end.
0: <laughs> I think, I don't know if this is necessarily a phrase that I relate, I kind of have in my head that I use a lot, but I think you are, you have the tools and you are in control of your own health. It, I know that sounds a bit, well, I mean, that sounds a bit, it's not very, very inspirational. Yeah, but no,
1: I like that though. Actually, I think that's empowering because what that's saying to people is, is you do have the choice to do that absolutely i actually think can you just say that again because i think i think that's yeah I, I, <laughs> I, I, <do> like <laughs> I was looking for some like you have, big the,
0: you, have the, you have the tools and you are in control of your own health yeah you are I and i think when we 100 percent believe that for everybody and i think
1: when we talk about tools i think the other thing that we need to do is also to recognize that there are people out there so if you know somebody who is maybe you know, wants to find out a little bit more how to live healthier, especially if they're a mom, especially if, you know, Mm. they're feeling all of this pressure that's on them, you know, share this podcast, let people know that Lucy is around and that she can help people like that. You know, I certainly can help with that. And one of the things that we've been certainly talking about is whether we can do some collaboration about supporting the mind body connection. Um, you know you're a psychologist but that I mean that's what I do and we know that it's not we know that it's not just about the food we know that it's not just about the exercise it's 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 that lifestyle change everything it's It's mind body soul spirit and it's about finding those people who are the professionals that are passionate about what they do because there is so much out there Um, and again if you're in the Cheshire area you're Wilmslow based Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, so if you're if you're kind of South Cheshire, you know, get in contact. But I guess you do stuff through Zoom as well.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm. Yeah. Um, so I, I see clients um at a, um, gym in Alderley Edge, and I see people on Zoom as well.
1: Yeah, yeah so there you go. There's ne- there's zero excuses to just make that contact, have a chat, and if it's not right for you right now, then that's fine. But just I mean, the I have, top tips um, that you've given.
0: I offer a free 30 minute call with anybody who wants to talk through what it is that they're trying to, trying to work on. So that's just part of it.
1: And sometimes that's the hardest thing, isn't it? It's that fear mm-hmm. of going, will I be judged? What mm-hmm. is this person going to try and sell me stuff? And, and I just want to say this to everybody's, anybody who's listened to this podcast, anybody that you speak to, whether it's a nutrition coach, whether it's a mind coach, whether it be a fitness coach, the ones that have your best interests at heart are the ones that want you to be successful and any money you pay is an investment in you and I think any good coach will say that it's you're not paying that coach you're paying yourself and that energy that you put in in money will come back to you in knowledge and that knowledge that you will get will then go back in so it's that cycle of positive energy Mm. Um, so yeah be careful of the people that are selling you the dream Go mm-hmm. to the people that are going to be honest and truthful, but they're going to guide you through that process lovingly. I always say to my clients, "I'll kick your ass, but I'll do it with a soft slipper on." Yeah, um, that's Hi. the way that I say it. <laughs> so, so those are the cat- right. you kind know, of yeah, and also the other. I, I don't know if you do this, um, but one of the things that I always say is ask your coach, "What are you working on? What are yeah. your challenges at the moment?" You know, just going back to that vulnerability thing because a good coach. <laughs> is always learning. Um, you know, exactly. and a good thing no, always learning. We <laughs> haven't got it all figured out. Nobody's an expert on this. No. <laughs> but Lucy, thank you so much for taking the time to um to do the podcast. I'm sure we'll connect again and maybe if we get another subject, we'll we'll do another one because it's really, really good to uh, I'd love to that. And about.
0: thanks so much for having me on the
1: podcast, Marcus. Really um we're gonna put everything in the show notes. Um we're gonna uh how you can connect with Lucy but very quickly Lucy uh, you're on um social media. So if um people are listening to this, how can they find you?
0: and um, so yeah I'm on Instagram under um Lucy P Nutrition and um, I'm on Facebook Lucy Patel Nutrition and my website is www.lucypatelnutrition.co.uk
1: awesome thank you very much um for this amazing chat and I could go on forever but we need to stop it we'll do another one we'll do another <laughs> one so thank you everybody and Thanks if you've enjoyed this podcast You can do your bit to help somebody else out there who might be struggling by giving this a share, giving this a like. Contact us, either myself or Lucy, if you want to find out more. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on the Talking Minds podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why don't you come and join us at
0: facebook.com forward slash talking underscore minds and don't forget to give us a little like thanks very much for listening see you soon